Blog Talk Radio.
of our series of what we're doing. We're going to finish the series up tonight. Uh, it's called Understanding and Doing God's Keys to You. That's Understanding and Doing Our God's Keys to You. Uh, before we really get started into this, I want to have a word of prayer and ask God's blessings and anointings on the service tonight as we conclude this particular uh, series. God has really blessed the first two parts, and I really uh, would ask you to go to the on-demand section there on your computer. If you're on your computer now or when you get on your computer, and uh, listen to the first one and the second one, because God really anointed these. These are really powerful in God, and I trust tonight will be the same way. So I do want to encourage you to go to the on-demand section and check the first two out, because uh, there's a the series I'll explain a little bit to you right here. Uh, after I'm done praying right here. That way you understand what we're trying to drive home to you. Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight, we just praise you. We just lift up Jesus. Father, I thank you again for the privilege and the pleasure to share your word with people, Father, sharing your love and your power, your resurrection power to your people and helping people, Father, seeing them touched by you, Father. I thank you for that wonderful privilege, Lord. That's the most greatest thing that can ever be done through us, Father, and to us. Father, I would just ask tonight that you would just anoint me, anoint the words I say, and just have your way and your will in this, Father. This is your program, not mine. Open the hearts of those that are listening right now for whatever they have need of. Administer to them personally, Father, for they, they need to receive from you. And show them that you are truly a real God. It's not just words being said, scriptures being said, and talking the talk. But, Father, you are for real. You are real. You are a lifestyle for us. You aren't just a Sunday service or Wednesday or listen to a program or whatever. But, Lord, you are our life. You are our light. You are an example. You are who and what we base our life upon, upon you and your word. So, Father, I just thank you tonight. I just ask your blessings in the service. And by faith right now, I just release your anointing over these airways right now. I release your power, your anointing to heal, to set free, to deliver, to give understanding to, to direct, just to have your way, Father. Just prepare the hearts. And Satan, you have no place in this, and I command you out of every person and every household now, in the name of Jesus Christ, you will not run interference. You will not break up anything. You will not cause people to be distracted from this service in the name of Jesus. And I just ask, Lord, that you just send your angels here to protect us, watch over each one of us as we study your word together and as you minister to us by your Holy Spirit. Now, Father, we just want to praise you and thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen, amen, and amen. Okay, uh, what really prompted me for this, this series, there was one thing that prompted me, and that is that people many times uh, will take a scripture, and I use kind of one scripture uh, to kind of show an example of what I'm saying that, that everybody would really understand this, but uh, the scripture I used, uh, in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you here in a minute, uh, the scripture to help you understand it uh, is Isaiah 54:17. And I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to kind of give you a little understanding. Maybe it's the first night you listened, or even you might have followed all three times, but I'm going to bring it up again because this is something you and I can't lose sight of. Isaiah 54:17. 17. 
Their weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Okay, everybody, you heard that said a million times. Hey, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. You've had that, heard that said, right? Many times that said, no weapon formed against me will prosper, and that's the truth. That's God's word. It's truth. But what God corrected me and showed me about to tell the people a few weeks ago was many people are claiming his word, but they're not doing their part in what the word says. They're not really reading it and getting a hold of it for what's really said that they can actually qualify. They can actually say that, hey, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And I'm going to show you what I mean here in this scripture. No weapon formed against me shall, uh, against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that thou rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. That's a key verse. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. And what that means is the forces of darkness that come against you, people that come against you in the wrong, uh, in negativity, things that are against the word of God, it says you will condemn. You see, he didn't say I'll condemn it, thou. Thou means you. I looked that up in the Hebrew, and that word thou means you. In other words, that's my job. That's not God's job. He says you will condemn it because he says in uh, Luke ten nineteen and 20, we have authority over the forces of darkness, all evil, demonic spirits. We have authority over them. He said you will condemn them. Now, let me ask you this, audience. Uh, if he tells you that they're weapon form against you and, and then he tells you every tongue and everything that comes against you in judgments, you will condemn, and you don't condemn it, what happens? It's there, right? It's like watching evil before your eyes and not doing anything about it. He's called you and I to do something about it, and he's incorporated many times into these scriptures things that you and I are responsible for. In fact, there's another one that comes to my mind, Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of God rule your heart. Does God bring the peace or let the peace of God rule in your heart? No, it's his peace, but you have to let the peace of God. See, it's your responsibility, your responsibility. Uh, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Is that God's responsibility in Nehemiah 8.10? No, it's your responsibility that the joy of the Lord is truly your strength. That means you remain joyful and joyous in Jesus Christ, believing him, serving him, walking in obedience to him, and allowing him to govern your life, your ministry, your life, and every part about you. That's when joy befalls you, comes upon you in obedience to God, because he's pleased by your obeying him. He's happy about that, and he blesses you. He reigns on you. His presence is there. You have peace. You have comfort. You have assurance. You have boldness. You have a no-so attitude. You know your God is real in spite of what people would say or what some people might say, you see. But you have to have that, but it's your responsibility to attain it. It's not. It doesn't come like osmosis, like say, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. No, there's certain things that you and I have to do that's going to bring us to the place of that. You can't have peace in your heart and, and lay or go to sleep and, and get uh, a rest and not worry about anything if you don't have trust and faith in God to take care of it. If you have a challenge in your life and you don't commit it to God and you try to do it yourself, you're going to lay awake at night, you're going to even during the daytime, and you're going to be fretting about what, what's going on. You're going to say, how in the world am I going to do this? What am I going to do about this situation? I can't do anything about this. I just don't know what to do. What am I going to do? Now, see, if you're in that state, 
You will worry. You'll fret. You'll do everything you're not supposed to. The spirit of fear will come upon you. It will drain you down and just drag you down. And some people even commit suicide over things like that. A lot of people do. Some people have heart attacks. They worry. They become nervous wrecks. They get ulcers. I mean, worry and fear and stress will kill you. It will kill your body. So you see, we must have a place to go. We must have someone to go to in order to be relieved of these things. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, we're to cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. He said, you give me your heavy burdens and I will give you rest. But too often we think we know what to do and we're going to bear it, we're going to do it ourselves, and then we wind up in the jam and we hurt ourselves, you see. That's why it's always best, just like when David, uh, when he was in battle, Ziglag there, he came back from a war that they won, they beat the enemy, but he and his men come back only to find their families and the, where they live was completely empty. Everything was gone. And where's my family? And where's everything was here? It's all gone. Now his men became very angry at him, and they were going to kill him. But what did David do? Did he get all nervous and fearful and cry out, and, oh, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, and run down the street or whatever? No, he didn't do that. The first thing in, in the Scripture tells you he went to God. He sought God about that thing. He asked him what to do. How can I uh, gain this back? What can I do, God? He said, I don't know what to do, but you do, you see. And what did God do? He told him what to do, didn't he? And he gained it back at the end of that story. But you see, it. who do we go to when we're challenged? We don't have problems, folks. We have challenges that come our way. And God has given his word called the Bible as the answer to the challenges. And the answer to each individual challenge is in his promise, his promises. So you have a challenge. What promise fits your challenge, you see? And you have to simply believe by faith that and have it grounded in your heart that, hey, I believe that no matter what because let all men be liars and God's word be true, you see. You must take it to the bank yourself. You can only, I can't do that for you. Nobody can do that for you. You have to do it. No preacher can do that for you. No friend, no pastor, nobody. You have to be fully persuaded yourself. You have to be fully persuaded. And we've become fully persuaded by taking God's word into our hearts, meditating and thinking about it and quoting it and declaring it and making it a part of our lifestyle and incorporate it in the way we live our lives. So you see, Christianity is a lifestyle. Well, amen, that wasn't part of the service here tonight, folks. <laughs> that was just a, a side trip right there. But somebody needed it. Well, in fact, I won't say somebody. I'll say many needed to hear that right there. And many need to be reminded of that because it's very easy to give in when the pressure's upon you. And what we're going to do, we're going to start with the Scripture. And, hey, this Scripture really fits with what I just said right there. Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we, we shall reap if we faint not. Wow. Let us not be weary in doing well, for in God's timing we will reap and we, if we don't faint. Now, look, look what that's telling you. You have to determine you're not going to quit and give up and not be weary. You're going to have to determine that, okay, in the good things you do and following the Lord and obeying him and, and pleasing him, right? You can't be wearing that in spite of what things you've been waiting for for years, what has happened, what your circumstances are, what it looks like. Because I'm going to tell you what, if you're truly in the center of God's will and things are happening to you, you're going to recognize you have peace in your heart with him because you have peace and confidence in God, even though your mind might think, well, my word, circumstances here, circumstances there. 
But, you know, my mind doesn't enter, even enter into anything about things like that because I have so much joy in my heart. I don't even pay attention to what my mind is saying because I know myself right now where I'm, I'm sitting right here now, I have some areas that have to be met in my life. And everybody I know that has a great ministry uh, and, and what they do and are powerful women and men of God, every one of them, I can't name you one that is settled right now doesn't need something or some things to happen. I can't name one of them. I know a lot. Okay, and I don't believe you can either. If they have, then they, they've arrived, and I think they better start doing the programs, not me, because as I read God's Word, I see that Jesus had, had circumstances he come up against. I see Paul did. I see them all come up against it. But what Jesus taught us, things come against you, but you overcome them because I overcame them. He said, in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world in John 16:33. In other words, I overcame the world, he said, so therefore I made the path for you because you're following me. It's my power in you. It's going to enable you to overcome the world like I did. And he says that to every man, woman, boy, or girl. That is for everybody. The things that I preach and teach or anybody else should be saying the same thing is this. The Bible is whosoever will take the word. It isn't the apostle, the prophet, whatever. It isn't that. It's not the five-fold ministry. It's whosoever will, okay? All right? Because I don't have any advantage over any person at all. I, I walk in the five-fold ministry, all five of the offices, basically, some more so than the others. And I asked my Lord what to do. I said, Lord, what do I call myself? And he said, you're all things to all people. And that's what he wants us all to be, avail ourselves to be to do what he wants us to do, from cleaning the toilets to raising the dead. That's what he wants, what he wants you to do. And he has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. Recognize that for everybody. And you don't have to have credentials, be an ordained minister to do it. You have to just be obedient to him and allow him to use you because the matter is God ordains you, and he ordains what you are to do, and he anoints you to do it. All you and I have to do is just do it, right? Okay, be not weary and well-doing. You'll reap in due season if you faint not. Pressures, especially in this day and this time and this hour, are greater and greater. But I'm going to quote another verse to you that I quote many times, and I think it needs to be probably quoted all the time in this world right now. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God raises up a standard against him. Okay? That's Isaiah 59:19. Hell has hit the door like never before. There isn't nobody expecting this world to be in a shape because it's in, right? But when the enemy hits like he does, no one ever expected hell to hit the door like this or they would ever see. Guess what? He's had his shot. Now God says it's my turn. And any time the devil comes against you personally, when he comes against us as a group, as a country, as a world, God has plans to over to top it out, to top it out, to break it down, to destroy it. So you see when we see junk happen, negative things happen, that is a sign for you and I, that sign that, hey, God is on the way. All I have to do is hold fast and fall on him, and, man, I'm going to come out of this on top. And that's the truth. That's Bible right there, folks. That's Bible. Our God is stronger than the devil. So instead of being discouraged when things are going hard, wrong, and what's going to happen, just be encouraged and know that God is your source. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You rebuke that thing in the name of Jesus. You rebuke anything that's contrary to the, what God's Word states and recognize that your time has come. But don't be worried. Don't quit. 
but you might be quitting one inch away from the finish line. And I'm going to tell you what, that finish line is mighty close for most of us, folks. Mighty close, that finish line for what God is going to do. He's going to break loose. We're going to have breakthroughs like we've never seen before, and it's coming very quickly. There's a little of it breaking through now. We're in the infancy of it, but it's happening, folks. These are not idle words that I'm saying here. This is right from my heart, from the Spirit of God, and I've heard others say this very thing, but I know it scripturally and everything, just what it actually states. I understand this thing. This magnitude is beyond measure. In fact, I gave a message oh, a couple of weeks ago, the Spirit of God on, on the prophecy I have, 1981, about this very hour. You can also go to... Uh, uh, in there in the on-demand section, too, but I would advise everybody to listen to that. I send it out to pastors and churches. They all need to hear it, what I had to say there, because to see the magnitude, the magnitude of this thing, and what God had showed me supernaturally, and I, I'm not going to get into that, but I'm telling you this, the Lord brought it back to me, and I never did it the way he told me to do it until two weeks ago. I've said it different ways, but he told me to do it in a certain way, and it's powerful. So you look that up. It's a 1981 prophecy. It happened 40 years ago. Okay, next scripture we're going to go with right here, Mark 11:24 and Mark 11:25. very familiar scriptures. Here again, how are we involved with these scriptures right here, just like we were with being weary and well-doing? Well, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Okay, Mark eleven twenty four. The things you desire when you pray. And you know what that means to me right now? When I pray for anybody, anybody asks me to pray for them, I'll ask them, what's going to happen my prayer? Are you going to receive your healing? Say I'm praying for healing, right? If they say, well, I hope so. We're in trouble right there. Not because they said, I hope so, because they don't understand that you're going to receive your healing. They're thinking that right away, if they're in a wheelchair, I'm going to pop out of the wheelchair. And if I don't pop out of this wheelchair, I'm not healed. Well, Mark 11:24 tells you, no, that's not the way you believe. He says, the things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall, you shall have them. In other words, it can happen instantaneously. I've seen it. I've operated it instantaneously, come out of wheelchairs, and I've operated it later times, things happen, you see. Okay? So you believe. The thing that you desire, one you pray, believe that you receive them. So there you are. You're being prayed for in your your wheelchair. I believe I'm being healed when brother so-and-so prays, sister so-and-so. It doesn't matter who it is because it isn't in the prayer. It's in those that are receiving, you see. If you ever notice, when Jesus healed, he said, you were healed by your faith. By your faith, be made whole. He always pointed to the person. It wasn't to him or anybody else. It was you received it by faith. You received it. Your faith received it, you see, not the prayer. Okay, so somebody prays for you, okay? All right, you're in a wheelchair. I don't know why I just come up with that. I didn't, wasn't trying to think anything special, but just for some reason you're using a wheelchair. Okay, you need to believe. I determined I'm healed now. That's it. I'm putting my foot down as of today I'm healed. I'm making it today. Just like when you ask Jesus into your heart, you said, I'm making it today. I'm receiving you as Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. Take over my life. I declare it today. I declare it out of my mouth today. I'm receiving you as my Lord and Savior and making you the Lord of my life. Well, I declare I'm healed today in the name of Jesus by the power of God from this wheelchair situation, you'll say, if you're in a wheelchair. Okay, you claim it. You believe it. 
what you do, you put forth the effort to get out of that chair because right right away, you know, the Lord always said, take up thy bed and walk or rise up and walk or go with your eyes and you'll see. You tell them that. Okay, some might get up and run and walk. You'll see it happen, right? Praise God. But let's look at the ones that didn't act, didn't do it yet. They believed it, they said, but they didn't do that. We well, see your job is the thing that you are when you pray, you believe it, you received it, and it says, and you shall have them. You will have it. In other words, it will come to you. Maybe it won't come that night to pray. Maybe it'll be tomorrow or next day. But you hold on as I have got it. I thank you for it. And you determine to get out of that wheelchair day by day. Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I'm healed. Jesus, your anointing, your power has enabled me to walk. Your strength has helped me to walk. It's you, Lord. I received it back two nights ago whenever you agreed. And you hold on to that thing until it manifests, you see. Because it says, the thing that you desire when you pray, but believe it, you receive them, and you shall have them. It doesn't say you're going to have them right now, does it? That's what you call a miracle. Now, we see many miracles. Miracles are increasing, folks. This is a time of miracles. But if you don't see a miracle come your way, don't give up hope, you see, because uh, this is how you receive it without seeing it miraculously happen right away. You hold fast to that thing, and when you hold fast, it'll happen for you. Just today, I had a report that I, uh, uh, from friends of ours that uh, they asked us to pray. We've been we've known them a long time, probably before actually, about as long, maybe even long before he's even in the ministry. About that long, anyhow, 45, 50 years, 50 years. And uh, anyhow, uh, he had had cancer. Uh, he had uh, Agent Orange, you know, and he'd showed up with cancer. And of course, we had prayed with him and everything. Asked us to pray, and I'm, we weren't the only ones praying. Uh, but in this particular case, we, we prayed for them. And uh, here he went to the doctors today. Guess what? No more cancer. It didn't happen right away when we prayed. It didn't happen right away. But I know his wife was standing, and I believe he was standing. In fact, he remembered things that we did with them when we walked around the house. We cleaned a home for them way back in, in around 1981. We walked around there, and God told me uh, that time, he said, they will have their house, other place sold, and they will have this new home which you're walking around by the end of this year. And I use this testimony about a million times, and I use it because how God is never too late. And what happened was he showed up and he said this house be sold, and would, this would happen. And this year we'll say it was 1981. I kind of forget the year. It was either 81 or 82. And we said that, and you know what time the Lord actually honored what He told me? Three o'clock. In the afternoon, December 31, nine hours before. And they remembered that well. In fact, my wife was talking to him today. That's how I got the word about him. And he remembered that himself. So you see, when God does monumental things, he, it's very evident. We don't forget. You don't forget when God does something. You might forget what I say. You might forget what your pastor says. You might forget what anybody says. But when God speaks to you, when God moves in your life, you will never forget it through all eternity. Because when God speaks, that's it. When he speaks, that's it. That's it. I can't explain it to you. It sticks with you, and it will stick with you forever. So remember that, folks. But you must determine when you're prayed for, anybody prays, people are coming for prayer. And I say it on the Healing Miracles Church that I'm involved with with a couple other apostles. I always, most of the time, I don't say I always say this, but you have to determine, hey, what's going to happen now? Because if you just hope so, or if it doesn't all over you like that when we pray, then, hey, I didn't get it. No. No, that's not how you measure it. I've seen 
too many things happened, miraculously great things happened. At a later date, there was no emotion. Nobody fell over in the power. wasn't a great feeling, a great sensing of anything. I've seen man walk away. It was just, just prayed. He received it, walked away. There wasn't any emotion whatsoever. Blind eye open there hours later. So you see, it's not about you getting excited, jumping up and down and screaming and hollering. If they don't fall, they don't have it. Because I'm all for that. I, I see it happen many times. But I'll tell you what I, I believe, and I heard another pastor say this one time. I don't mind you being slain in the spirit, but what do you get when you get back up? Don't you be telling me you didn't get anything. You just fell down. If you just fell down, it means nothing. When you fall into the power of God, something happens, folks. Something's going to either happen to you or at a later date you'll know something because God doesn't put anybody under the power, those that are there seeking his face. Now, he did with the uh, soldiers in the Bible. They were slain in the spirit when they tried to arrest him. And they, they weren't coming for anything for him. They were just his great power, his great presence. But when you're there seeking the Lord and you fall into the power, he does something to you and for you one way or another. It isn't always a great, significant thing, but there's always something in it. God doesn't throw any punches or say and do things just for the fun of it. There's always a purpose behind what God does, always a purpose. Okay, Mark eleven twenty five, And when you stand praying, forgive if, if you have ought against any, that their Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Before you do any praying or for anything, it's almost like when you take communion, examine your hearts. In fact, we need to keep our hearts examined 24-7 because you don't know when you're going to leave this earth. You don't know when Jesus is going to return. So you better be right before God with a right heart 24-7. In other words, what it boils down to in my prayers each day, Lord, I do something wrong, convict me of it. It's right there, I'll make it right. Things that I know, things that I don't know, I don't want to be displeasing you. I want you to bring it to my attention. I can do something about it. And he wants us like that because that helps us to walk a little better than we're walking. We're a little bit better example and we look more like Jesus when we're like that. We need that correction in us constantly to be kept in line. Paul said, I examine myself daily, otherwise I'll become a castaway. And I've preached the gospel to all these people. So, folks, I don't care how long you've been saved, how great a ministry you have, how anointed and gifted you are, how good a teacher you are, a preacher. We are human beings, and there's a devil out there. And don't you ever kid yourself that you don't have to keep watch on yourself. It's very easy to point to others and tell others what to do, kind of why I've had this series. But we got to put that finger on ourselves. We got to. What's my part in this? You see, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't for me to point to you and tell you that only. I have to point to me. I have to point to Ed first, and then when I get that settled within me, then I can point to you because I took the mote out of my eye. Now I can take the beam out of y'all's eyes. Amen. And that's what it's worn down to. It's a matter of putting a light on yourself. You can be a great judge of telling everybody else what to do, but when it comes to you, oh, I'm good, I'm good, there's nothing wrong with me. But look at that person. Look, at You're lying to yourself. First of all, pride is in there, and you're not close to the Lord as you should be. So that's bad right there. You're not walking as close as God wants you to be. I found out, folks, it's a 24-7 job with myself. Okay? So when you stand praying... Unforgiveness must go because you will not make the rapture if you have unforgiveness towards anybody. These people that are racist, racism, they're against the blacks, blacks against the whites, or whatever it is, any type of racist thoughts by anybody. We're foreigners, Japanese, uh, uh, Chinese, 
If you have that spirit of you, you will not go to heaven. You will not make a rapture. Your judgment, yes. I'm, I'm judging by the word of God. I'm not judging the word of God is. Because if you have that, you can't go. You cannot enter into the gates with sin in your life. I mean, this thing is more serious, folks, than you think. You know, the church has watered it down. It is a common place in the church to hold on against people, be against the pastor, the pastor's children, wife, and hold on against uh, this one or that one. That's an accepted thing. But I want to tell you this, in the eyes of God, that's an accepted thing that keeps you out of heaven. And the devil has kind of put the church to sleep because the church has been so watered down, it's pathetic. A lot of Christians have no... <laughs> we were talking about this the other night, and I've watched other ministers about this, what they had to say about this, and, and it's pathetic the way some Christians are, how little they know. They barely know that, that, what, who the devil is and who God is. They really, Sometimes it's pathetic, and that's why we've been told to study and show ourselves approved. There are again two studies to show themselves approved. You and I do, right? Who meditates on the word day and night? You and I do. See, we have the job and the responsibility of doing this thing. We have it. But you see, in today's world, you do it for me, Lord. Do this. Just have somebody lay their hands on me, and I'll have it all. No effort in my part. I don't want to have to study or dig in there. I'll just, you do it, Lord. But they're the kind of people who are misled by false costs and or don't know uh, anything that's going on because they don't know what the Word of God says. They don't know it because they don't study it. They hear about what some man says. And maybe that man's saying what the Word of God is, you see. So we have to uh, know what that Word says. We have to be in that Word. So we know that we cannot have an unforgiving spirit or have a wrong thought towards anybody. And we need to do that we're praying because, you know, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me, God's word tells us. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So there you go. I, I cannot have uh, aught. But with a pure heart and faith in my heart, receiving what that word said and applying it to my life, I can have everything. And he says in James 1.4, allow patience to have her perfect work and you will lack nothing no matter if it happens to me miraculously or a period of time later. And another thing about patience, in your patience possess you your souls. Your very soul's eternity is in your patience and how you handle things. If you're an impatient person and you don't follow the Lord, you can mess yourself up or you will not make it to eternity as far as going to heaven. You'll make it to eternity in hell. I mean, this thing is serious, folks. I'm, I'm speaking serious. This, this kind of teaching and preaching a lot of people don't want to hear. They want to hear somebody get up there and talk about uh, all the good things and don't believe in preaching in hell, don't believe in the devil, Harley, and they, they want to go for this. Hey, there's two sides of the coin. Jesus spoke of both things. He spoke of heaven and he spoke of hell. So I, I believe, folks, if Jesus spoke of sin and hell, don't you think we as ministers of the gospel or children of God, whatever it is, don't you think we ought to talk about heaven and hell? Maybe Jesus was wrong, huh? According to some of these preachers, don't believe in preaching sin. They want to preach a positive message. They're false prophets. I'm calling it out right now because anybody that doesn't believe in preaching, hell, heaven, and sin is a false prophet. I'm not going to name any names, but just you check them out for yourself. Okay, he says in the 26th verse, if I don't forgive, if you don't forgive, neither shall I for, 
Well, here, let me read it to you. But if we, you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Let me give you one on that, okay? Somebody does something against me, okay? And I, right now they do it, and I, oh, I don't forgive you. I have this against you, so and so you did this to me. An hour later, I go to the Lord, I sin, right? I say, Lord, forgive me for whatever it was. You know what the Lord would do? He wouldn't forgive me. He'd say, I can't forgive you if you give so and forgive so and so. You have to forgive him, like my word says, before I can forgive you. If you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. And that's what that's what puts us in in hell. Because I can't go to heaven with sin on me. And I have sin on me unless I have a forgiving spirit and forgive others for him to forgive me. If he doesn't forgive me, I'm in a heap of trouble. That's how clear it is. Now, I named it pretty close right there. I have ought to get somebody an hour later to do that. But I'll tell you what, I, I can't say for sure it's exactly like that because I'm not God. But I can tell you I don't want to be in that position. I'm holding a lot against somebody. An hour later I sin, and then uh, I pray, ask and forgive me, and then I drop over dead. I don't, want to, I don't want to take that chance, do you? Okay, Isaiah 26.3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Perfect peace. We all want perfect peace. I do, and I have perfect peace. I don't say I'm always perfect in peace with what I'm doing. I don't say I arrived. Don't ever think that. There isn't anybody you know of that arrived except Jesus. No man ever has. We're all pressing towards the mark. But he said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind. So, uh-oh, one thing, i got to keep my mind on the Lord and focused on him. And that doesn't mean I'm in the Bible 24-7. That doesn't mean a person doesn't go to work. It doesn't uh, do this or that or have maybe a little entertainment and things like that. But it means that he's the center focus of your life there. Even when you're out, you can be out bowling or doing something like that, and your mind's still on him, and you're having fun with your friends, people, or whatever. But the thing is, you are always in place, you see. It isn't in where you're at, like in a church or a Bible in your hand that you're mind is stayed on him all the time what it is that you are, are centered upon him and he knows that there is a time that you that's you press in and meditate like it says in romans 8 or yeah joshua uh 1 8 meditate upon the word day and night we're told to do that now we we have to meditate the time we just come apart and we go into our little room and we think about it meditate and uh, he gives us revelation, understanding. We need to do that. I, I do that much. Much comes to me without even having to go in the room and doing it. I just go around and walk, and I can be walking my dog, and I get things like that. It just flows in my life. He gives me those things. But I still don't take it for granted. Hey, I just do what I want to do. God just lay it on me because I, I would feel guilty if I didn't do my part. But I keep my mind on him, you see. I think about him. I think about things, and then he tells me what it is. He gives me answers, you see. So I'm kept in perfect peace because my mind's in him. I'm really trusting in him, you see. And that's what we are to do. We have to put forth that effort, but there we are again. Whose responsibility is that, God's or yours? It's yours. You see, God has already prepared the table. He has made a great feast for us. He paid the, the dearest price that there is. He bankrupted heaven. He literally bankrupted did heaven when he sent his son down here to pay that eternal price for us. And what he did then, after his son came back and sitting on the right hand of him, he has all those promises, all those provisions, and all those things for us. And he said, now you follow what 
these, these uh, things are on this table for you for, and your life is going to be victorious. You're going to have peace, joy, health. Things are going to go good for you. But he said, if you don't obey these things, you're going to suffer the consequences because there's a devil out there that want to hurt you. He wants to hurt you, but I've made protection for you. My word is your protection. Right here it is laid before you. And these several hundred promises on these directions, these corrections, it's all there for you, children. But he said, it's up to you to go eat. You know, if somebody takes you to a buffet, folks, uh, do you just sit there or do you get up and get something in the buffet? Well, unless somebody's serving you, you're going to get up and walk around the buffet, aren't you? You're going to pick what you would like to have, what you do. Now, <laughs> the Word of God is not a buffet. We don't just pick and choose what to believe. But when there's a need in your life, you look there. Now, what, what do I need? What's the Word say about this? So you're at the buffet of God saying, well, how does this apply? What scripture do I use here? Where is this speaking? I can lay hold, and this is going to help this challenge that came my way. So that's sort of like a buffet, isn't it? You're picking what it needs, you need right there from his buffet table, you see. Okay, praise God, praise God. Well, Isaiah 59, 19, there's the next verse right here. Uh, I have, and I've said it many times, but that's one of my favorites because we can relate to this scripture about as well. Is there any one other scripture pertains? Isaiah 5, 20, uh, what it says, we're the days that call evil good and good evil, and that certainly is today, right? Now, this scripture that I quoted a while ago, and I never get tired of quoting it, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in, comma, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a stand against him. Okay, I went over that. I don't really have to, to go over that again, except for when hell hits the door. You personally or hell hits the door collectively like it is in this world right now. God is about to do something. So you take that to the bank. You watch. You watch very soon. In this season, it's in the now that it's happening. I'm looking for it today, tonight, tomorrow. It's that eminent. It's eminent, folks. I'll make that statement. I'll, I'll say it's eminent for those that are following the Lord. It's eminent for God to bless you like you've never known before and use you like you've never been known before. If you have a right heart and you are part of the remnant, putting God first, seeking first the kingdom, you're going to have a time that you never thought you have. In fact, I'm having that time right now, not in the fullness of what I'm talking about here, but I have the rifflings of it that I know, and I know when that thing hits, it's going to knock us all cold. <laughs> it's going to be so powerful. I mean, it's beyond, uh, like the scripture I quoted uh, not too long ago, well, I use it a lot too, back at one five, he said, if I showed you, you wouldn't believe what I'm going to do in your time, even if I told you. I had that given to me personally by uh, a high-ranking man of God in a major ministry. And uh, he came to me with that scripture right there, and I'm telling you, I've said that a mil about a million times, but that scripture is pertaining to now, but he nearly flipped out giving it to me, and that's been years ago. He nearly flipped out giving that scripture to me, so what's it going to be when it happens? We're going to all flip out. And I've told people, and I've said this to myself, the biggest thing in these last days, this thing is ushered in, this power like never before is ushered in. The biggest thing we'll have to do is say, God, keep my flesh together because I'm about to explode with the joy of you in my life and what you're doing in my life and in my ministry that you've given to me. That is going to be a major thing to keep together because it's going to be far beyond what we've ever done before, you see. I don't care how long 
I've known the Lord for 51 years. I've been, I was ordained back in 75. I have a long history, a lot of experience. I'm older. I'm almost, I'm older and had more time in ministry than anybody I work with that I know of anyhow. But I'm going to tell you this. I don't care how many years that I've had in the ministry or how what many years or what they, who they are or what they are or what they do. Uh, what is happening now is a whole new thing for everybody. We're all brand spanking new kids. And I consider myself that way. I look at myself that way because uh, I think less of myself than I ever did because I'm seeing myself as what it really is in the eyes of God for what he wants. And, hey, we all are small in that sense, you know. There's no heroes. There's no heroes. We're all followers of Jesus Christ. No big me, little you, big you and little me. That thing doesn't exist because God will throw you out if you have that kind of an attitude. And these churches that have that attitude or the way they operate, they're going to fold up and dry up and they're going to blow away. I mean, unless you're tacked into what God has for you, you're not going to make it, church. No church will make it. If you're back in that old-time way and you are negative and a negative belly and you hold to this, you hold to that, you'll be a, just a few people there and gradually you'll dry up and blow away. This is a time that we have to be tuned into the Holy Spirit like never before to make it. You cannot make it without the power of the Lord. And this is a time of the power of God. Nehemiah 8.10 Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet and send the portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we talked about that even a little earlier. And uh, the joy of the Lord is what keeps us going. The joy of the Lord blows your mind because your mind actually tilts. Because your mind says, how in the world can you feel like this? Well, look what you're facing. Look, what the, what, look what's happening. But yet you have a joy in spite of all your circumstances. And that's what God gives you. He gives you a peace and a joy that man can't give. Jesus said, peace I give to you. Not as man or the world give it, but my peace I give to you. And you get the peace of joy and the joy of Jesus Christ when you're serving and pleasing him and doing what he wants you to do. That comes to you. That comes to you. And you can't fake it. You can't just get it on your own. It doesn't happen. I don't care if you if you have everything in this world given and gone for you. You won't have it. Because how many millionaires and people that are wealthy and have things going for them have shut themselves? How many people have died tragically or wealthy, famous, good-looking, they had it all going for them? Well, that all is pretty... Uh, skimpy and pretty shallow when you get to the top and find out that's the top. Is that all there is? But when you drink the water of Jesus Christ, he says, you'll never become thirsty. You won't have any thirst because I satisfy you. Jesus Christ satisfies you in everything in your life that that, that nothing in this world could do, all the riches, all the fame, everything. He gives you a satisfaction, a peace, an accomplishment, a no-regret type lifestyle that you won't be saying, oh, I wish I did this, I wish I did that. When you're following him, there isn't any greater thing to do, so all you have to do is walk in obedience to him, and there's no regrets regrets of a past life, how you were, how you treated people, what you did. If you're truly following Jesus, regrets are not there because you're following him, and with him, you're doing the right thing. Okay, James 4, 7, and 8. I only have a couple more verses, folks. 
But this is this is a major one right here. James four seven and eight. And this is for everybody, all of us, and not just one time shot daily, really daily. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify our hearts, you double-minded. Let me break that down. This is this is a this is really a verse, and you know who this verse is for? Whosoever you do it, God will not do this for a few. But you know what God does when you apply His word? That what God does is by His Holy Spirit empowers you to accomplish it. You can't do this verse and these verses on your own. Nothing. You can't do nothing. I can't do nothing in this Bible on my own. But all I can do is say, Lord, I give my will. I'm going to submit myself to you. Okay? The Holy Spirit helps me to submit myself and put him first place. Okay? Submit. Hey, I belong to you. I'm no longer myself. I'm no longer this world. I need your help because I can't possibly submit myself and, and remain submitted to him without the power of the Lord. Okay, I submit myself to God. I resist the devil. When you submit yourself to God, the enemy is going to attack you right away. It's going to happen. So make write this down. This is the promise. When you really submit yourself to God, especially first-timers or, or anybody, but people that are young in the faith, you submit, you're going to be attacked, or you can be old in the faith like me. You're going to submit yourself. The enemy is going to attack can you beat the enemy when he attacks you? Of course not. But what I say in Luke ten nineteen and 20, you have authority over him in the name of Jesus, over the spirits, over the evil forces. You have the, the authority over him. So resist the temptations of the devil and his attack by God's word in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I will not do this. I will not do that. In the name of Jesus, I will not fear. In the name of Jesus, I will not worry. In the name of Jesus, I won't cheat. Whatever it is, in the name of Jesus, because he gives you the power, the anointing to overcome it, you see. That's where people miss it, because they think they have to do it. And if I had to do it, I would miss it, too. But I know, hey, when this word says something, I'm going to do it, and I know it's not in my power. But I know he's going to be right there, so I can be mouthy and bold about it, because, hey, God's going to do it. That's why sometimes, you know, people sometimes will think you're cocky in the realm of your accent and talking about who does he think he is or who does he think she is. Well, we're not bragging about ourselves. We know we're nothing. We're not cocky in any way, shape, or form. But we know who is within us. We know he's going to show up. We know he's going to show out so we can talk big. We can talk big, you see, because we're talking about a great big God. We have big confidence and faith in him. That's why we talk and act the way we do, okay? Okay, so we resist the devil that way, right? We resist the devil. God's not going to do it. You're not going to say, God, the devil's hurting me here. I need your help. Help me, God, help me. You know what God would say to you and me? I've given you power. Look at Luke 10, 19, and 20. I've told you to do it. If you had a 20-year-old son and he said, uh, Daddy, tie my shoes, I would look at him if my son's far older than that. But if he would tell me something like that, I said, what do you mean tie your shoes? You can tie them yourself. I mean, naturally, I wouldn't be, you know, I would help him do something. Don't get me wrong. But wouldn't that be a little bit off bark right there to tie a 20-year-old son's shoes? If he was two years old, yeah. 
But there's certain times God expects us to do what we're to do. We need to grow up and mature spiritually just like we do in the natural. It's just as foolish in the spiritual to do a lot of silly things as it is in the natural to do silly things. If you want to be strong in the natural, you've got to go against resistance with barbells and weights and things that you work with, working out, calisthenics, straining your muscles and build your muscles up, and there's pain with it. If you want to be strong spiritually, forces have to come against you. You need to have resistance spiritually come and challenge you that you have to use your faith muscles them and it's not always so pleasant to do but it's not pleasant to gain physical muscles either so you can compare in the natural for a strength like that and compare the very same way some of these other things because it is an osmosis bang it's there there's a price to pay and some pain to pay folks and that's what a lot of people must have think well i'm in god and everything's just hunky-dory and kumbaya no pain everything's just great it's not always great you have challenges and that, 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 that's a misassumption, and it's a lie that some of these phony preachers are preaching out in different places uh, that uh, are trying to bring this junk on. And uh, I tell you, I, I have no use for that nonsense. I, I, I just wouldn't want to stand before God if I was giving that kind of a message. I give a prosperity message by the Word of God, but I give it the whole thing, the Bible, the way it is. You know, I don't want to be accused by God at the end that I led people astray. That would be an awful I just don't even want to think about that. I'm going to get off that because I'd be terrible to stand before God and know that you've put many people in hell. Okay. Then he says, he'll flee from us. If we use the word of God in the name of Jesus, Satan will flee, right? Okay, then draw near to God. Who comes to God first? Well, first of all, he ministered to you when you get saved, but we're talking about a, a person... Uh, that's saved now, serving the Lord. Well, you draw near to God by being obedient to him, and he said, I'll draw near to you. You talk, come to me and pray and talk to me, I'll talk back to you. You give, and I will give unto you. You do, and I'll bless what you do. In other words, it's what we produce, you know, uh, works. It, uh, salvation is not works. That's freely given. But the, the uh, rewards and awards we receive in heaven, rewards from at the judgment seat of Christ, are for our works that we do, you see, things that we produce. In other words, we take Jesus out there and we look like Jesus, we do what Jesus has us to do. We're rewarded by our works. We're saved by grace and we have nothing in that. He does that. We can't earn salvation, but we earn our rewards by our acts on this earth, you see. Excuse me, Matt. We earn rewards, and we want to, at the judgment seat of Christ, be rewarded for the works that we do, that we can put those crowns and everything down at the feet of Jesus that made it all possible. So, you see, we do have a responsibility of what we do, and we're going to be judged on our works, what we did good and bad, the Second Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 10, uh, 10 or 5.10. Yes, yeah, Second Corinthians 5.10, it says we're going to be judged what, what, what we did good and bad in our body. You see, and I want to do good things, good works, and I want to be rewarded. You should be too. Okay, he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. In other words, sins of the flesh, if I do things in my flesh that I shouldn't do, we could say drinking, smoking, uh, cursing, pornography, you name it, just a lot of things in the flesh. I'm not going to get into a lot of that. And 
of the spirit, lay it aside, like jealousy, pride, hatred, resentment, the junk that we have that people many times don't see, like somebody smiling at your face and hating you with that smile. I mean, be honest from in, be honest without. Lay aside, it says in Second Corinthians 7, 1, we're to lay aside the things that are in the spirit, the filthiness of the spirit and the filthiness of the flesh. We're to lay it aside having these precious promises. So you have to lay them aside. You do it. God doesn't do it. He reveals them to you, but he can't take them from you unless you let him. You see, you have a will. Your your will is in this thing, but you give God your will and you do what uh, he wants you to do. And I promise you the power of God will be there that will enable you to do it. Amen? Remember that. Remember that by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Then he said, you know, purify your hearts, which that does. You double-minded. And you know what a double-minded person is? A person that says, I believe that by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. Then he says, oh, I have pain. Oh, I need it. Oh, I hurt. I hurt. I need it. By his stripes you're healed. One time I believe it. The next day, oh, I need it. Oh, I'm healed. Oh, no, I don't. Double-minded. In other words, you're not firm on anything. You're lukewarm, double-minded. And it's better to be out of it than to be lukewarm, because what's the Lord do to people are lukewarm well first of all uh, they receive nothing from him and of course he spews them out of his mouth the bible says so if you're going to believe something the word of god whatever you're going to do don't be double-minded because you'll receive nothing it won't work you have to be fully persuaded and be firm and stand it out act upon it put your life on that thing you've got to do that to please god you've got to you can't be wishy-washy double-minded and Tiny Tim, like a lot of people are, and like a lot of Christians, don't have enough backbone to stand up in this world. That's why the world's in the shape of Tim, because most of them don't have any backbone. Most of the preachers don't have any backbone. I don't I don't have time for people like that. I do not have time. If those people want to be like that, I don't have time for them, because that, that, that's not tolerable. There's so many people are leading other people, and they're, they're not that way themselves. They, didn't, they need to be walking the way the Word says, because... We might be the only Bible that a lot of people see, and if we're walking the wrong way, what's going to happen to them? We're going to lead somebody to hell. Okay? Last, well, two more verses. Second Timothy 3.12. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's a promise. Now, I don't like that promise. I know you don't. But if you truly walk the way Jesus walked, if they love you, they loved him. Well, if they loved him, they're going to love you. If they hate him, they're going to hate you. And if you're living godly, you will be lied about, persecuted, double-crossed, you name it. Everything you can think of will happen to you like that. I mean, hey, <laughs> you get it. You get it from your family sometimes. You get it uh, in the church, folks. You get people you know, people you thought your friends. You name it. It can come from anywhere. It can come from anywhere. And so don't be surprised and don't be ready to give up uh, whenever persecution comes your way because it's almost like if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen because this all goes with it. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, he said. Those who live God in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. These are promises that will come because Jesus didn't have a bed of roses. We all know that, right? Okay, if you model Jesus, those same spirits were around when he was around, are still around, and there's still people around, those same spirits will enter these people just like it did the people back then. 
And, hey, they're not going to love you either. So you see, it's all about the spirits, and those spirits have been around. And people will react the same way. That's why Jesus said that, because Satan hates him, and the spirits that hate Satan, they get into the people, and they're going to come against you. They're going to hate you. So uh, there's a price to be paid, folks. There's a price to be paid, but I'll tell you, it's worth it, because you stand fast and pay that price. How sweet it is when the rewards start to come in and the satisfaction you have and the pleasure you have knowing you please God. I don't think there's anything greater than that. That's the next thing going to heaven. Knowing you please God and you can do like Paul said, I've completed my work, I've, I've walked the walk, I've done what you wanted to do, I've completed everything, now I'm ready to go. If you and I can say something like that, I don't think there's anything better that could happen. Then he says, well done now, good and faithful servant. And that's what I'm working for, to be that way, to have my life so shining like that, to be that way. And I, people I know and I hang around with work with the same way, the same pace. We all want that. Everybody wants that. Uh, well, I can't say that everybody. We're trying to get everybody in that place to want that because uh, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to uh, do the best we can to complete the Lord's prayer for him, don't we? Amen. Okay, one more verse and that'll be it john ten ten, he says in this okay he said i've come to give you life and to give it more abundantly to you uh in this world you know that the devil comes to steal kill and destroy but i've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly so we see the devil coming to steal kill and to destroy and that's not pleasing to god he doesn't want that to happen to you or me but he said i've come to give you a life above that you don't have to put up with that nonsense, and it doesn't have to happen to you. You follow me, and I'll give you wisdom and protection and help you and safeguard you against all of these things that could hurt you. That's why I've given you my word that you can fight the battle of faith against what's trying to destroy you, you see. The battle of faith, you know, we're not, we aren't fighting the devil ourselves. In fact, the, the battle is the Lord's, the Bible says. But you know what we fight? I'm going to give you a little, just a little verse or a little simple. Uh, explanation the battle of faith is taking the word of god and making it part of your life making a reality in your life making what the bible says a reality not just i believe this i can quote this i know where it's found no it means that it becomes reality it actually is you're actually doing it, it manifesting your life you're walking in it making the word of god walking in that word of god as you learn something you make it part of your life or you do it you see and doing that is where you receive persecution all hell breaks loose you see that's the only fight that we have is to make god's word and you know why we are that's the only fight we have because jesus already fought the fight in the battle for us but you and i are being persecuted and we're having this junk come against us because we're doing what he already did but there again, when we stand firm and fast in the faith and we use the word of God, we're going to get through it just like Jesus did because he empowers us to do that when we walk in his word. Amen? Okay. Well, folks, uh, I do want to say this to you. I do want you to listen to these. Go back to the first one, second one, and this was the third one. And uh, listen to these. And what you do when you listen, say, the Lord, how does this apply to me? You see, you're not interested in how it applies to your friend, your mother, your brother, your sister, your pastor, but how does this apply to me? What does this mean to me? 
That's what you just said tonight. But what what is that? Because you see, God has a message for you. The anointing of God's on these programs, and that anointing will show you what He wants. He will do what He wants to see. The Holy Spirit controls this program. He controls everything. I've given Him control of this program. I've given it to Him. I, I do that, and, and because I expect Him to do things that I'm not even talking about, because He's God. I give Him free reign. You see, and I've done this in the other program. That, that's 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 my lifestyle when I'm around people. That's how I act. That's just what I believe. And I believe that now. So I do encourage you in this. And you do these things, and you will be part of that remnant army. Everybody's supposed to be in the remnant army, but not all will qualify. You qualify the remnant army just like those that qualify to be in in the military, like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, uh, guards and everything. And I I knew one, I met one uh, years ago, a number of years ago, that actually qualified for those things and they're very strack. I mean, they really they really show it. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing how these guys are. They amaze me. This one fellow, just the way, way the man was, just the way he handled himself. And uh, and this is what we have to be for Jesus, you see, because his eyes go to and fro, he says in Chronicles 16, 9, Second Chronicles, the findings, one whose heart is perfect towards him, that they can show, he can show himself mighty in their life. And he wants to show himself mighty in our lives, but we need to be qualified for him to do that there again our job right it all, the buck stops at our desk folks you can't get around the word of god the finger stops at our face it's pointed at our face by god it's up to you he said i've given you everything now it's up to you okay heavenly father i thank you for for these this series father i know this is a series not only for the people i preach to but for me for all of us, Father, nobody's exempted. Father, I would just pray right now that those who have listened, Father, that they will receive what you want for them. They will receive what you have for them, Father. For it's not by power and might, but by your Holy Spirit that things happen. And, Father, we've released the Spirit, and I release the Spirit right now at the end of this, this program right now. I just release your Holy Spirit to this audience right now, and those will be listening to it at a later date, wherever, whenever, because we know that anointing never leaves a tape or a video or an audio or whatever it might be. And, Father, I just ask for that anointing to, to be upon this and to move in the life of all that really want him you to move, Lord, all that want you to move. Those that are sick, I declare healed in the name of Jesus. Those that have demonic activity, generational curses, curses, any spells, any witchcraft, I command the evil forces out of them right now in the name of Jesus. And I reverse every curse upon every person listening to my voice right now in the name of Jesus. I reverse those curses in the name of Jesus by the authority that you've given me by your word, Father. By your word, I use your authority that you've given to me that I can say these things. I have the authority because you gave it to me. You've given it to everybody that will use it. And, Father, I speak uh, joy, peace, calmness, and a heart of people of love, that your love would be in their hearts. And, Lord, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit and just draw them close to you. Just, Just possess them, Father, by your Spirit. Show them how real you are. Show people the your reality in the name of Jesus, I pray. Now, Father, be with each one now. 
bless them as they, they go their way, as the program goes off. And, Father, I just pray that that uh, those that hear my voice and everything will do something about it now because, Lord, I've given them a challenge. And it's up to them, Father, because you can't do it and I can't do it. But they have to take a hold and you do it. I just presented the word. They have to receive the word. And if they receive the word, then that's when you empower them to get it done. So actually my job is over with in that sense. It's up to you and them. It's up to them and then you. Because you said to, if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us, and you will help us. So, Father, I just, I just thank you for this. I thank you for that promise, and I just thank you for this program tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Okay, folks, uh, I'll be back in uh, two weeks on the 12th of October, and I have a missionary that will be here, a precious man of God, a good friend of mine that has traveled. I, I do work myself overseas. I've, I've not been over, but I've done it on, on the uh, uh, machine, you know, as far as uh, different things. I've been over there. I've had uh, miracle services, healing services on the computer, you know, with him we were able to get across. But uh, he's traveled many different countries. He's very involved. He has a tremendous thing, and I know he's going to really bless you because he's a bona fide uh, missionary, a powerful man of God, and I'm I'm just honored to know him and be a friend of his, and he's a precious man of God. So I know you all will want to tune in two weeks from tonight, and uh, he will be on there and he'll be sharing with you. So you all come expecting now, okay? I love you all, and just take the word of God to heart. And I, oh, one more thing in closing. I, I do ask, if, uh, uh, I want to hear your testimonies uh, on here. You can put on the line right here where it is down below those comments. You can put that. Or send me the testimony. Uh, I'm going to give you my address right there, and it's very simple. Extended, E-X-T-E-N-D-E-D. It's my uh, email. Extended Hands, H-A-N-D-S, of Jesus at Yahoo.com. Let me say that one more time. And if you're not picking up now, you can just go listen to the tape again and run it through where you'll hear what I'm saying. But it's... Uh, extended, E-X-T-E-N-D-E-D, that's all small letters, hands, H-A-N-D-S, of Jesus at yahoo.com. And if you have prayer requests, comments, want to talk to me, want to speak to me, testimonies, because I avail myself, and I, I do have a lot of people call me. I've had a call from a person half hour, less than a half hour before as a, a powerful minister, a mighty woman of God. They called me, I prayed with and everything. And uh, I, I talk to people and I enjoy it. My wife does it too. And uh, we just enjoy it. So we're, we're here to serve you. That's why we're on earth. Uh, and to see God moving people's lives is probably the greatest thing we ever see, is to see that next to seeing Jesus himself. So I just, uh, I'm just kind of overwhelmed today. I'm kind of almost at a loss for words. I just feel so good and just... Uh, and if you're feeling the way I do, you're ready to get off the line right now because you just want to enjoy Jesus, and that's the way I'm feeling right now. So you all have a blessed evening, and I'll be looking forward to talking uh, to you in two weeks. In fact, I'll be introducing him, and he'll be talking to you, and I know it'll be a powerful service with him doing the service. So you all have a blessed night. Love you all. Good night, everybody. Thank you.